Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oitari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who also, I guess, maybe wants to own a pre-war goods shop? I'm not sure what that is exactly. <laughs> well, if you own a pre-war goods shop, you have uh, ready access to pre-war pistols to kill Right, I guess so, later. right? Like, that's the weird thing is, like, I'm, I, it's one of those things where, like, is this, like, where a person just has way too much, like, antiques already and they're like you should sell some of this you should open a store <laughs> it's like i mean i assumed he i mean or like was he gonna open the shop and that's why he got all the stuff or did he gonna open a shop because he already has all, like you know which is following a is following b or b is following a in that environment is really something i i think we need to know more about i i live in a midwestern american city so the uh, the vast majority of shops within walking distance of my house are people who did that. Right. Either they had too much old stuff or too many records. Or they just decided to start a store, there, sell it off. There's at least one, possibly two record shops I can think of in Columbus where where it was the guy's personal collection got too large, so he opened a used record shop. That, to me, is crazy. It like, is crazy. Pat. I don't want to be judgmental, but like, <laughs> wow. Before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash lost in criteria. Want to get some of my crap? <laughs> Sorry, that's not a good there segue is an un- at all. There is an unlisted tier. Yeah, you can, be, you can be $100 a month. I will marry you crap in my house. I raise the amount. I really want to make sure the shipping thing works out. Uh, no, the actual tiers, uh, at $1, we do a bonus episode. It's a non-criterion film. Uh, you get to vote on what it's going to be. I put together a list every month, sometimes based on what movies we watched on the main podcast recently, sometimes just on a whim. Sometimes I actually let our uh, supporters uh, at any level suggest the Let's uh, be clear here. It's always an option. It's not like, I mean, you can always suggest a list to us, and we will definitely take it under advisement. Oh, yeah. And well, there's almost, a decent chance we'll, we'll just do it because yeah. sometimes, we don't have good sometimes ideas. Sometimes I'll wait a few months before I do it because I have other ideas on the on the table that I want to take care of. But, uh, but yeah. Um, and quite often, if you've suggested a list as a Patreon supporter, we'll invite you mm. <laughs> to be on that It's episode. a good way to get on if that's uh, something you want to do. Yeah, yeah. For as little as a dollar a month, you can buy your way onto our podcast. Yep. Uh, it's great. Uh, but yeah, that that $1 a month, we do, uh, like I said, non-criterion films. Um, you get to vote on them. Option five on the vote is always, always uh, Kazam, the 1996 Shaquille O'Neal starring uh, Genie movie. Oddly enough, we did not mention that in the last Patreon pitch in the last episode. I'm almost certain. We didn't. We didn't. I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, Kazam's a fun movie. They have made us watch it at least once. I yeah, think only it's only once. once. We've gotten um, very close a couple times. Yeah. 
I'm kind of yeah. excited for the next time around, frankly. Just because, yeah. like, I feel like it's going to reveal a lot more of its deeper, darker secrets to us uh, on the second watch. <laughs> if we watch, if we watch it much more, <laughs> like, like between the first time we saw Kazam in our lives and the first time we watched it for a podcast, too long had passed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, TBS, we, TBS showing Kazam yeah. all the time was pretty long time ago. When I when I moved recently, the first time I plugged in my television and turned it on the over the air channel it settled on as i as i uh programmed it to find channels uh was showing kazam and you got sucked serendipitously because it, it kind of yes. suck in it's a weird movie i did watch more of it than i should have in yeah. that moment um it's a movie all right but yeah it it just it exists out there in the ether. I guess is is the meaning of that. I, I, I like the idea that like that's what aliens will see. Like we want to be high minded about it, but that's what aliens are getting is because they're just gonna be like, what the fuck? Right, right. Oh, oh, uh, but the, oh, there we go. That's that. Uh, what's it called? The um, the um, oh, shit, I should I blinked on it. The the uh, the paradox about the idea that the Fermi paradox. Yeah, the, yeah, the Fermi paradox. The the whole. We found the answer. They saw Kazam. And they're staying away. They, stayed, and they chose to stay away. They're like, these fucking losers. Nope. These guys can spontaneously create food, and they just use it to fill up warehouse Yeah, and then they'll transform you into a basketball and dunk you and then, to death. And then they can turn you, yes, and dunk you to death. Uh, we don't always watch Kazam. Like I said, we've only watched Kazam once uh, from the vote. Uh, but we do watch a really great selection of movies. Our most recent one as of this recording was uh, suggested by one of our supporters. We ended up watching a couple of uh, Buster Keaton movies, and it was really fun. Um, mm. We've watched things like uh, Ernest Goes to Camp or Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, just Both equally you know, good masterpieces. Both equally good masterpieces. Because if I was going to, if I was going to mention bad movies, I'd say we also watched... Uh, Kicking and Screaming, starring Will Ferrell, yeah. which is legitimately one of the worst, worst movies worst I've, ever I've ever seen in my, seen my entire life. Yeah, no, I mean I have some unresolved <laughs> yeah. trauma from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I said, just a dollar a month gets you uh, at that support tier over at Patreon.com/slash/LostInCriterion. We have a couple support levels higher than that. Uh, Five dollars a month. Uh, you get uh, thanked on air. Unfortunately, we don't have any five dollars a month supporters right now, but uh, that's because. Over the summer, all of our five dollars yeah, actually secretly ten dollars. Yes, it's very good news. Uh, I wish I could frame it in a way that didn't sound sad at first, um, but but I can't. You got to bury the lead how. on that. That's yeah. just the way it works. Uh, our ten dollars supporters also get thanked on air, and we'll get to that in a second. But we do something for them that I think is really worth the ten dollars and really special. Uh, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard. And uh, write a little thank you note and mail that off to our $10 and above supporters. And, yeah, and it eventually arrives at your house and burns its way through your eyeballs. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Some of them, some of them certainly more than others. Uh, but they are all delightful. And and you've done uh, the super sad Doctor Man. One oh, is, it's my favorite. It's beyond it's my really favorite. It really is my yeah. favorite. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's some there's some that more were attempts at actual beauty, and then there's that one is yeah. just yeah, right. super sad. Doctor Man it's, is 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 a classic. Yeah, great piece of things. If you want to know what we're talking about, ten dollars a month, you can uh, you get in on that. You can get but mail. like I said, we do like to thank do you like to thank those people? Yeah, mail's good. Mail's good. People we've sent mail to this month include Charlie Mueller, Christopher Otto, Jason Westhaver, Michael McGrath. 
Patrick Yako, Jonathan Have, and Adam Speakerman. And thank you so much to all of you for your $10 and above support. Yes, we very much appreciate it. This week we are talking about the second in a duo back-to-back of Louis Malle films. Uh, last week we talked about The Lovers, his 1958 film, uh, his second film of 1958, uh, because he also that year released Elevator to the Gallows, which we watched uh, many years ago, two years ago. Um, but this week it is The Fire Within from a few years down the line, 1963. Uh, this is a movie that... Uh, Molle himself described as the film where he stopped trying to be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it shows. Um, yeah. I I described this in the last episode, but this is legitimately, I feel like, the, the prototypical film that, like, has resulted in people saying, like, in the, like, foreign films board, like... Every time you've ever watched a sitcom and, like, the husband and wife are having an argument about – or the uh, boyfriend and girlfriend are having an argument about what movie to go see. And, like, this is what's being described when they say, yeah. like, boring foreign language films. And not that this movie is boring. I'm not saying that. But it is yeah. all dialogue in black and white, all in French. <laughs> now, now to be fair, I can think of movies that are more indicative of that. That's true. And uh, Bresson's, Bresson's uh, Diary of a Country Priest Absolutely. comes to mind immediately. <laughs> I, I know this is true. But like every time I, certainly... I d- we discover one of these, I'm like, yeah. ah, we found it again. Here certainly we are. a lot of Scandinavian stuff qualifies, too. Oh, the Scandinavian uh, stuff is special because the Scandinavian, I, I agree fundamentally. But I yeah. feel like when they always describe it as French films. Because the Scandinavian stuff always has the weird extra layer of, oh yeah, it's dark for five years. It's like, and we probably are all going to murder each other. Like every Scandinavian film, regardless of what the actual topic of it is, feels like at any moment everybody could be murdered. Yes, like yes, all of them. Like they just all feel like, oh yeah, and then and then they all got murdered. Uh, it's true. It's all about the. It's the angst. It's the angst the caused by like the of, sun disappears for six <laughs> yes. months of the year. It, right. it, it's palpable right. in the film. Yeah, all the Bergman films um, feel like there could be murder at any moment. None true. of them are about and, that. And a lot, a lot of them do involve. Well, that's true, death, but so. <laughs> but very rarely is it just a weird uh, ice pick murderer. Like, yeah. Also. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting that you frame it that way, and and I think of a Bresson work because uh, in one of the extra features on this one, um, in describing uh, casting the main character in this movie, uh, Molly says uh, sometimes my Bressonian influence yeah. would surface, yeah. and I'd think I don't want an actor here. Um, but he he got his start working under Bresson. Right. He was uh, an apprentice and assistant director on A Man Escaped. Um, oh, okay. Preston's 1956 film, uh, which I don't think we've no, seen. No, we have not seen that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's got he's he's fighting that Bressonian influence too. Well, by time. hiring <laughs> actors occasionally, yeah. Right, right, and he he goes out of his way, and uh, and I can't remember if it was this one or the previous one where one of the interviewers asks him about uh, about Truffaut or somebody hiring Bardot for a film and. And like you guys are really leaving behind your your mo, and, and 
And, you know, it's 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 silly because a lot of, you know, we talked about this extensively in the last episode, but a lot of the uh, a lot of the insistence on non-actors doesn't really get what what the French New Wave guys are actively saying they want out of doing non-actors like. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of Bresson, who gets exactly what Bresson wants. Right. Which is, I need you to not have expressions or feelings right. or right. pressing. Hey, you All know, it artifice, works for him. It including works for him. human interaction. Yeah, it, it absolutely mi- like it works for Bresson is yeah. the only person for whom that is actually the case. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this movie is based on a uh, a novel um, called Le Fou Follet which uh, is the French title of this film. It actually means um, not quite the fire within, uh, but the manic fire is uh, how Wikipedia translates okay. it literally. Um, but it's also, uh, it's also, I think, the French uh, uh, idiom for uh, will-o'-wisp. Um, you know, the, like the, the folkloric will-o'-wisp. Okay. The, uh, the, the, unnatural fire floating through the woods right um yeah uh so that's that's where the fire comes in the novel was based on a real person um uh, jacques rigaud who was a surrealist poet um but calling him a surrealist poet is really maybe more credit than he should get uh because all of his collective works are a bunch of fragments and pithy sayings of, of something. Oh, so my kind um, of Rig- poet. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Rigaud did kill himself in 1929. Then his friend, Pierre Drew Le Roche, uh, Le Rochelle, uh, wrote Le Feu de Follet in 1931, um, anonymizing him a little bit. It's heavily based on Rigaud's life, but it's not outright about Rigaud. Rigaud is not the name of the main character, for instance. Right. Um, then the life of Jacques Rigaud and the novel inspire Malé's The Fire Within, but Malé sets it contemporaneously to when it's made in the early 60s, whereas obviously uh, the novel does not take place in the 60s. Right. It was written in yeah. 1931. It takes place in the 30s. Uh, but another interesting thing Malé does then is he also draws some biographical information about Pierre Drew. Le Rochelle into the movie uh-huh. um, and its modernization because Pierre was Pierre was a guy we'd hate is okay, what Pierre good. was all right uh, um, Rigaud the guy the novel's based off of is the opium addicted womanizer who sleeps with particularly rich American women okay uh and that's where we get that aspect of our main character. Uh, Pierre Dre is, um, I'm going to say his name differently every time I say it, I'm sure. I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. But he hung out with the Surrealist, with the Dadaists in France through the 30s. Okay. And he, um, or through the 20s. And according to a little information I found on him, he, and I think this might be in one of the interviews or one of the um, bonus features on the DVD too. Um, he sort of flirted with joining the communists, the French Communist Party. 
But then he went to Spain and fought for Franco's forces. Oh, my God. And then he became a collaborator in France. And he committed suicide as well in 1945 while in hiding to avoid punishment for being being a a Nazi collaborator. Yeah, Um, Yeah. yeah, no, we would not like this guy. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't like him. You described him to me. I do not like him. Right. So so where where that aspect of it one, you know, it's it's again this is a movie about a writer committing suicide and this is a writer who committed suicide after writing a novel about a writer who committed suicide who himself was a real person. Yeah, layers upon layers, um, right? Like this is layers upon layers shit right now. But but also um Molly particularly interlopes into the script here. Uh for instance, the guys that our main character meets at the cafe who introduce their old friend from Algeria and are going off to do some nebulous, terrible idea that our main character thinks is going to get them killed. Right. Um, pretty heavily implied to be the OAS, which were the French paramilitary, essentially militia forces in Algeria that we talked about during Hearts and... Uh, not Hearts and Minds, but... uh. Oh, what's it? The, the oh, it's just called Algiers, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the uh, or the Battle of Algiers, uh, but they were the French paramilitary, not explicitly the French forces, but fighting for the French forces and with the French forces to quell right. the Algerian Revolution. <sighs> um, yeah, and obviously, obviously, those characters here are meant to be bad guys. Yeah, too, obviously, right? they're yes, not. Very they're not sympathetic people. And Molly's Molly's putting them in there to take a jab at a modernization of the author's politics. Right. Right. It's the um, same general. The same general right. jest. Right. Right. I, I'm yeah. just more thinking. I, my huh is just like this is getting a little <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> right. Right. Now, of course, um, Alain. Our main character rejects them and rejects that yeah. aspect of of that, uh, and we never see those guys again. So. Well, presumably they're dead. I mean, presumably they are. Dead. I feel like the France, I think like the movie France did lose that fight for yeah. the, for the best. France, yeah. Lost I mean, that it, fight. it it really does feel like they're meant to be dead, right? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. But last episode, I mentioned that one of the essays for this one talked about the other French New Wave guys being sort of right wing. Um, and we framed that last episode as some of their gender politics. Uh, but where the essay actually takes that thought is that in presenting those characters, Malé is actually making a pretty overt comment on OAS and on Algiers, hmm. uh, on, on Algeria. Um, and that's not... <laughs> Like, like being pro-Algeria in 1963 was not something the rest of the French New Wave guys were, right? Right. That is, um, there were, now there were French intellectuals and French, you know, people, people of that ilk, um, who were against it. And I think we talked about, uh, I can't even remember, one of the, uh, one of the philosophers, French, mid-century French philosophers, when we talked about Battle of Algiers. Yeah, I'm um, sure. I mean, yeah, we we've definitely we have mentioned people who were, you know, pro yeah. the pro revolutionary, right, right, yeah. French French citizens who were 
well respected and and definitely pro France get out of here right <laughs> as far as Algeria goes um whereas you know Malé is being a little more subtle here than that but at least he's yeah but I mean doing you know that, he's being right? I, yeah subtle you're right he is being more subtle but they are definitely <laughs> assholes like <laughs> right they're pretty right. clearly coded as assholes are about to go die I mean <laughs> right right yeah and it doesn't take a lot of uh extra context to figure out what's going on and certainly it was extra context that was on everyone's right. mind it, when and they that's saw the thing, this movie like, in 1963. It's easy for us and we're pretty far removed from it. For contemporaries right. to the movie it should be like plain as fucking day, right? Like it just right, should be. Right. Right. If if so. if we had a bunch of assholes like talking about like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go <laughs> off to like Afghanistan now. I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of a good a good analogy. We'd be like, yeah, we get it. Gonna gonna kidnap the governor of Michigan. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a better example. Yeah, like exactly. It's like, right. oh well, we got it now. We we don't we don't need a lot of help with this one. <laughs> right, right. Now to 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 be fair to any modern and and this was probably true of France at the time too. Um, but the uh, the modern right wing militia movements in the U.S. are uh, are their own sort of quasi. Uh, government sponsored at this right. point too. So at this particular moment in history, at least, um, which is not always true. Uh, true. Uh, another Malay film that we talked about that sort of thing with uh, for a bonus episode. We talked about his documentary God's Country. Oh right, right, right. Which, yeah. which is uh, is an intensely prescient film, <laughs> right? But a series of interviews with people in small town, uh, what was it, Minnesota, I think, or Wisconsin. Oh, um, boy, But somewhere upper Midwest. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> where they talked to him during the first Reagan administration and then I think just after his reelection, um, if I remember the time framing right. And it's a very fascinating movie, as Pat said, very prescient. Uh, but one of the characters in that sort of ends in this. Uh, <laughs> sort of caged promise of himself joining a militia. Yeah. And and at that point, you know, the the right-wing militias really did not like Reagan either, right? Yeah. No, you know, even even as today Reagan's become this mythic god in uh right-wing um discourse in America. Uh he was hated in his time and yeah. plenty of people thought he was the antichrist. <laughs> so which is hilarious, but also, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. So all of that, let's actually talk about this movie at this point, I guess. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we could. I mean. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this, you know, what, you know, well, we always sort of address these films in sort of a, a oh, pseudo meta yeah. context anyway. We right, very rarely right, just right, like. Right. Because we're not a podcast where we just talk, like yeah. run through the. There film. is there is actually one other one other change from the source material that is maybe interesting to us is that in the source material, uh, the main character was a drug addict, opium particularly, mm-hmm. uh, and 1930s Paris opium, uh, and and maybe those sort of hard drugs and psychedelics were were on the on the cusp of coming back into fashion. But in 1963, Malé did not think that w- that was realistic. Um, oh, so he made him an alcoholic. He made him an alcoholic because of that, because the drug addiction seemed to be too out there in that moment. Uh, 
Though he still he t- still does visit a bunch of friends who are clearly just lying around on opium, right? Yeah, no, so. I I think well, right, exactly. I think it's um, it maybe wasn't realistic in Molly's mind that the main character, yeah, for the main yeah. character, right? Like, right. fine for like some side characters that he visits, but like, yeah. I guess it's theoretically possible that they were just on a bunch of hashish, but right. But well, still. And keep in mind too that like. When you look at the way they're positioned in the story, like yeah. they're clearly like super duper like outcasts, right? Right. And right. and they are, and that's probably a relatively realistic inter like in, like representation of drug addicts in in right. France in the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, nineteen fifties. Right. This is nineteen. What year uh, is this? This is this is sixty three. Okay, nineteen sixty three. Yeah, like it. Like as you mentioned, it comes back into fashion probably pretty hard. Right. I would imagine, but right, like right. nineteen sixty three. He needs his main character to be able to like walk down the street and like <laughs> yeah. meet people. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, in that regard, then what is interesting to me in this movie is all of the different groups of people our main character doesn't relate to and doesn't want to be. Right. right? So he, he, he gets out of rehab and like the other people in rehab, despite the fact that he has actively chosen to stay here, we get our first meal of like three or four meals in this movie yeah. is, is one he shares with the other people at the rehab facility and they're, banal they're boring yeah they're having they're they're like arguing one of them is arguing about aristotle but like no one else cares and just wants him to shut up well right (laughs) exactly yeah like even what he's saying isn't smart right it's just pretentious is what it is and you know then he goes and he visits his old friend who was also obviously a former revolutionary he calls him comrade when he greets him Mm. and now he's got this domesticated bourgeois life and is also i guess an archaeologist i just bring that up because we talked about archaeologists last oh yeah it was uh there was an archaeologist in the last it's like it's like starting Um, to become a male thing at this point i don't know male really loves archaeologists in this well and also like archaeology is this weird sort of like semi-banal lifestyle but also like he's obviously clearly fascinated by yeah it's really interesting well i mean this isn't this isn't a uh Indiana Jones archaeologist, right? So, no, no, like, but like he still seems like it seems to be a weird sort of like I'm both enamored with and also consider this really yeah. like I'm like yeah. maybe Molly like secretly really wanted to be an archaeologist. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, part of that documentary, you know, impetus he had earlier in his career, you right? Know? Would track with something like that. It's more of an anthropological yeah. thing, but yeah, like you right. know, that right. he just I yeah. just bring that up because like. In both cases, like they're not, they're well in the well in the first movie in Lovers, it's like that's the hero, like not the hero, but that's the the like the rebel, the the yeah that she goes off with, yeah. and 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 this one he's still like painted. Of all the people he encounters, is the most sort of like got his shit together, right? Right, person, but in in. In both instances, they are uh, bougie, but not the bougiest. Right, right? exactly. Yeah, they absolutely. Are, Which is they like are bougie not, in a way yeah. where they can still say they're rejecting bourgeois, uh, right? Yeah, lifestyle and, exactly. and class 
right? Even though even though they are still part of that class, absolutely. Obviously, but and like any 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 belief that they are separate from it is self delusion, right? right? So, but like even like but, even in that regard, Molly seems to be fairly sympathetic to that position right, relative right, to right. like all the other positions that are presented in the film. Which is, which is of course, very understanding for what we know about Male, who right. himself came from money, but is trying to reject that aristocracy. Right, and these are very much reflect him, right? Like as a as a yeah. sort of like author stand-in, right? Like, even as he also realizes he's living within it, right? right. <laughs> you know, so so that's uh, that is a very interesting psychological aspect to that character too. Um, and then he meets the drug addicts, and he doesn't want to be with, like the drug addicts, and actively tells them to, that they're. That they're ruining their lives. And, and like, that's really great because he, if I remember correctly, he essentially tells one of them, what have you even written on right. this? Like, you're you're saying you're doing this to be inspired, but what have you even written? But Elaine hasn't written anything either, right? Right. And the guy he's based off of ultimately wrote nothing of substance. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah. And then... Uh, he gets he gets that, and then there's the the dinner party and the cafe people. Obviously, he doesn't like the cafe people, and then there's other people at the cafe who remember him and know him who he kind of just wanders away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they're being too bombastic. The the African American, well, the African American, they're French. The black guys at the cafe. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Actually, that that's a that's a whole other interesting perspective because uh, I. I thought that that character might have been codified as being a African American who has taken up residence in France. Oh yeah, you might. I mean, uh, timeline wise, yeah, it would make it would make sense too. There's a lot of that going on at the at the time, right? Um, and and because just was, mainly because of the way African American English was like, yeah. when it's when he code switched to say English words, they were fucking perfect, oh, yeah. and his French is a little <laughs> right. bit weird sounding. That might be true too. He might be an American. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, that didn't occur to me, but it makes sense. Um, and in any case, it's people who clearly know him and know right, old yeah. stories about him and are trying to and trying he's to not tell really stories pleased about to him be hearing <laughs> stories of himself in his right. earlier days for sure. Right, because he's ashamed. You know, yeah. he's gone to rehab because he doesn't like who he used to be, but who he is now, he doesn't like either. Right. So, <laughs> right. Um, and he gets that talk with, with his one friend about, uh, his failures and how all he's ever wanted is money and women. And he's no good at getting either of those. Um, which leads to one of the few comedic moments in the, in the movie where he, he yells about impotence as another couple walks by and they just stare at him. Um, and then the last, the last big dinner scene where they eventually get him to drink again, and right, and it all falls apart because he should be drinking again. The ultimate downfall. That's the the interesting thing about this movie is that it it seems to ultimately take place over twenty four hours, but it could not be. I really have no idea well, how much time passes. The only reason from when he passes out, right? It is probably at the end of that party just because yeah, that interviewer he writes asks the him about why he keeps making movies that last only 24 hours. <laughs> right, right. Well, there's the thing about it is he writes the date on the on the mirror, right? Right. Uh, July 23rd or whatever. Right. Um and that suggests that is today's date. I think we maybe even see that it's today's date. Um but it also 
you know, the way he writes it, this is the day he's going to die is July 23rd, right? Right. So, so if it is July 23rd and he dies on July 23rd, then yeah, <laughs> right. It's only one day, but, but ultimately there's, there's no, between the time he wakes up after the party and the time he actually kills himself, it could be another six weeks of sitting at the facility just true, as easily. True, true. Right? And also, he definitely sleeps enough times where you're like, wait a minute, is this only two days? <laughs> right. This is definitely like two days. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't like, really like he gets to, matter. But. He gets to Paris. Presumably, then, it would have to be breakfast, the meal he has with the I mean, with the maybe. other rehab people, or dinner the night before, I guess, I maybe, it, and then I it's a little it more than 24 hours. Before, and then the actual yeah. like main meat of the movie takes place over that day, <laughs> that one yeah. the day he decides to die. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least he eats a lot of cheese before he dies. I mean, that's... it's a pretty good way to like, deal with that. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, no, it, it's... Um, he he goes through quite a, a sort of I, I the part that I find fascinating probably the most though is the sort of final collapse there at the end when he meets with his old sort of more bougie friends and they get him to drink again and that yeah. part is like everything up everything is sort of building to that right and the question you get into is like is that like he writes the date on the mirror, and, like, that's the day he's going to die. But, like, is he going to die, or is he, like, this – or does that experience at that party really solidify it for him? It's sort of a kind of a question that the movie raises. Because, like, up until then, like, he's traveling around, and it doesn't – he's despondent, but he's not, yeah. like – he doesn't seem like he's hit bottom yet. But then the party feels like he hits bottom. Right. Right. Uh, and yeah. I, I don't yeah. know how to, I don't know exactly why it feels that way to me, but that's just how it sort of feels. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's, he can openly reject the bourgeois lifestyle of his friend who's married and has two kids and, has has a sit down lunch at his apartment in the, during the day, right? Right, um, and he can obviously easily reject the old friends who went to prison and now want to be counter revolutionaries, right? In Algeria. Right? It doesn't even seem hard. That one doesn't even yeah. seem like he seems that to one, struggle a little easy. bit with the friend, the sort of like the friend who's like has the settled down lifestyle, like. Right, right. He's actively fighting that one. The one, the friends who yeah. are like counter revolutionaries is just sort of like mm, fuck off. Yeah. Like, but then he he goes on a short tour of people who he absolutely does not want to end up being. Right, right. And it's a it's a dark tour of who he could easily end up being if if he were in a different spot. Right, because like the author, uh, who this is kind of based off of as well, the author of the work it's based off of became that counter revolutionary. Right. right? And then it's the opium den or whatever it is with the other writers right. um, who who think that sitting around high in the middle of the afternoon is going to help them write. Uh, when they never actually write anything also something, at all. And never actually write anything is also something he can pretty easily reject, especially since he's gotten clean right. and doesn't want to, at that point in the day, doesn't want to get back into that lifestyle. But then he gets back to the bougie people 
who he's kind of maybe sympathetic to, like you said, from his interaction with, with the friend at the, at the first spot, uh, comes back around to them and it's, it's the party. And eventually he lowers his guard enough or gets annoyed with them enough that he decides he needs a drink. Right. Uh, and that triggers a lot of other problem. Right. So, yeah. It's, well, and you kind of get the impression, a, and this is just like, this is hardcore just me interpreting what I want to interpret, but you kind of start to get the impression that like all the other people, excepting that first sort of bougie friend, but like all the other people are people that maybe, this is, again, this is just my impression, are people that he maybe started to encounter in his life because of all the sort of interactions and the drinking and activity he had with that last group that we encounter. That like that group in many ways feels like the group that started the spiral out of control that led him to meet those other people that like he rejects. And because that is the group that is sort of his origin spot, it's the hardest for him to resist, right? Like, I don't know. I yeah. this is just me, but like it, for, it sort of feels like maybe he's like tracing his steps backwards through right the people right. that he because he goes to that bar at the beginning, and that's very clearly right before he put himself in rehab. Right, like that they're like they're talking about a few months ago. You know what right. I mean? Like they saw him. He was in that hotel as a sort of like the epic dude in that room. Yeah, mere moments before he clearly before he went to that clinic, like it's right. it's that that's made obvious, and that's that's kind of the only real point in time we get with regards to his past is that, and I get the impression that perhaps we are tracing our way back through his right. life, and he gets to the point that sort of maybe where it all started, and that's just more than he can handle. But it also makes yeah. sense that that like the next step beyond that is death right like right that's where it started now the final step right and that's you know another aspect of that is that you know he goes to the bar first when he gets back to paris too right right um and the bartender you know everybody's happy to see him because he's well loved for whatever reason and maybe he was always drunk but the other employees at least were entertained by him enough to be friends with him right right and, you know, there's the, the aspect of, you know, this is less true, I think, in France, but there is an aspect of the the uh, the hospitality class um, right. <laughs> being uh, overly uh, welcoming to regular customers, even though they may not particularly like them as people. Right, yeah. Um, but this bartender is legitimately sympathetic to him, right? Mm. I think that's sold. I think this bartender is glad that this guy recognized he had a problem. Yeah, no, I mean, he's the bartender who constantly was telling him, you need to slow down. Like, this is too much. Right. And when he says that, I believe it. Right. And I I don't think that's just this bartender saying, no, you've made the right decision. Remember, I always told you, you were drinking too much. It's not, it's not him trying to paint him. Right. Right. Yeah. And he's, he's happy about it. And that's, that's one aspect where, uh, where another influence on, the source material comes into, or not an influence on the source material, but another source material of influence for the movie is uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's Babylon uh, Babylon Revisited, which is actually, there's a copy of it that he reads, right, that our main character right. reads. Um, 
But Babylon Revisited is likewise about a drunk writer who gets clean and goes back, if I'm remembering it right. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but but I believe it's about a drunk writer who, who gets back into, uh, <clears throat> gets clean and, and is sad that he can't write anymore. Um, but, but like, uh, you know, like with the actual source material, you know, getting drunk and writing isn't necessarily its own thing. Um, though of course some people are successful at that, you know, I think back to, uh, under the volcano where, where the writer of that <laughs> yeah, well. was, was frequently, uh, coddled in his drunkenness to, in his alcoholism in order to, uh, get writing out of him. But, uh, it does work sometimes, but it's still not good. Um, but then I think by the time he gets to the dinner party, these are people who are not legitimately emotionally invested with him, and he knows that. Right, yes, they that's view a big him part of it, pity, right, yeah. Right. Um, and that's not what he wants, and he sees himself. I think he kills himself at the end because he sees how he doesn't see any path out of where he is except to that. Right, yeah, no, that's definitely part of it, right? It's like the journey backwards takes him to a place where he's like, well, there's nothing past this. Nothing exists beyond this point other than this point. And, like, it's a nightmare. Like, he recognizes it immediately as a fucking nightmare. (laughs) And and it's like, well, these are all the people I know. Literally, this is everybody. Right. What do you do now when you reach everybody you know and you're like, oh, oh, I don't like any of these yeah. people. Now to that, we get the suicide note that I'm really not happy. No, with. I think the suicide note is a yeah is an ending that was is deeply unnecessary, and I do right. It it its level of I guess I mean it it does depend if the suicide note is meant to be written to his wife. Or written to everybody he knows. That's fair. If it is literally everybody he knows, it's exactly what we described. If it right. is to his wife, it is unfair and it's bullshit. Right. Right. But it doesn't give any indication. When it talks about love, it's very general. Right. Right. And could apply um, to everybody. Yeah. No, literally quoting. I'm, I'm killing myself because you didn't love me, because I didn't love you, because our ties were loose. I'm killing myself to tighten them. I leave you with an indelible stain. Uh, right. Indelible stain. Right. And none of and it, it. We read it initially in my head as right. about his wife, but right. when you right. look at how dis, how ambiguous it is written, like it uses the like, you know, it yeah. uses you. It doesn't use names. It doesn't use it. It doesn't even use a thing that can ident- be identified as either singular or plural. Right. Like, well, is, at least in English, I think there is a plural "you" in French that I don't know if he uses. Well, that would be but it would be the, useful to know, but yeah. At the at the same time, he doesn't define who "you" is. Also the, true. In the uh, writing, right? So right, it could still yeah. be literally to everybody, and and right. I I'm I have chosen sort of personally to give it the benefit of the doubt as I thought about <laughs> right. it longer. And this is again, this is a choice I'm making. Like I you don't no one has to make this choice. But right. that like it is a condemnation of essentially all the people in his life 
all of whom who failed to make a legitimate like connection and that he failed to make a legitimate connection with. And, you know, and, and, you know, he does condemn himself himself in it as well. Right. It's not just like, it's not just like, right. About you didn't love me. It's like, I also just didn't love you. Like, and that's everybody, right? Like I didn't, I literally toured through all of you and couldn't find any of you that I actually cared about. Yeah. And clearly none of you yeah. really cared about me. I, uh, I, it is again, I, I am also like un, unfortunately sympathetic towards the last archeologist guy who, and there's, a, <laughs> there are multiple people who express what seems to be honest concern for him. Right. And right. so like, we get into a, a discussion then about whether or not this is his, if it's real or just his perception of yeah, the way he interacts with people. Like, are there people who love him and he just refuses to reciprocate or care or notice? Or does literally nobody love him? Yeah. Right, right. And that's, yeah, it's... The first friend he interacts with there, I think you're right to say legitimately cares about him and isn't just trying to justify his own lifestyle to him, right? He's trying to try... I think he's trying to bring him on board and be like, maybe you should try not like (laughs) living like a nightmare. (laughs) Right, right. But at the same time, the talk they have while they're walking around isn't isn't necessarily just that. It's also him saying, no, you actually have had a decent life. Uh, and Elaine says, no, I failed at this, this, and this. And and he says, no, you haven't. <laughs> um, right. Like, and I don't, it's not the best track to take there necessarily. Um, but it is one he's attempting to take. Right. It like, does no, seem to come from a place of like, right. I realize that you seem pretty yeah. on the edge. <laughs> I don't. Right. Like you need to have a little bit of like self love yeah. here. Right, and he is one of the few exceptions in everyone this man encounters over the course of the day who recognizes how close to the edge right. he is. Yeah, absolutely, right. and and that makes him unique. And it, I think it is fascinating that he is the step is one of the first steps in this because if we do go with, and again, this is just my interpretation, but if we do go with a sort of backwards, you start to wonder how much of a role this person had in him getting into rehab in the first place. Right, because if right. if we're working As backwards first- in time. It would appear that this person is pivotal in that way, right? And do they do they ever talk about where he's been for the last four months, or does this? No, guy but this guy clearly know does know, been, right? Because right. this is one of the, this is many of the others make it sound like they don't know. This guy sounds like he knows. Like I mean, right. at this point, like that was you know the dialogue is hours and hours ago, days ago, right? 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 But like in right. my head, I pretty much feel like he makes veiled references to like where like that he's you know what I mean yeah, like it's yeah. not he didn't disappear he doesn't, he doesn't come out and ask hey well, I haven't seen you for right. a month and other people been, are man? like oh you right. disappeared and like yeah. this guy's like yeah. doesn't like reference the idea of like disappearing right. and that means he knows where he was right, <laughs> right? <laughs> obviously so yeah. although oddly enough the only other group of people that knew where he was appears to be the last group he encounters who knew where he was and just didn't give a shit. 
right? Because at least right. the one lady whose name escapes me completely, the yeah. Solange or something like that, I forget her name. Yeah. She makes right a, a veiled reference to like, oh, we all knew where you were. Right. But we, right. and then like she says something shitty after that, or somebody says something shitty after that that implies like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we all know. But, you know, fuck you. <laughs> like, right. Right. And one of one of them does say about the husband or, or whoever, I think I think she says to another woman, your husband shouldn't be giving him a drink. Ah, uh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So like like others others there and maybe that was Solange too and I can't remember. because um, all the all the women in that sequence kind of run together for me. Right, <laughs> but, I understand uh, that. I, she tends to stand uh, out more, but like Yeah. But that sequence a lot of a lot of, like people in individual blocked sequences tend to bleed together. Like uh, these are the people from this sequence, this section. This is the people from this section, uh, for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that might. I think you're right. Um, but in any case, obviously the others there know both who he used to be and who he is now. They know he's stopped drinking. Right. And to know he stopped drinking suggests that they know he's been in rehab right. to stop drinking. Right. Um, and yeah, but, and all and conversation we, and, stops when he enters the room and they right. joke about how some of the women in the room used to be his lovers. and yeah. Right. And, and and we also kind of understand that the the last guy he or the first guy he encounters, that archaeology friend, yeah. does appear to be a part of that group as well. I think right, right. is That's connected that to that group, group, and it's probably why they know. But like, also seems to have divorced himself from them as well. Right. In his own, in a di- very different way of like, uh, fuck, you know, like, I don't. Know, th- there's a lot of like social politics underpinning this that are vague but sort of implied. But yeah. that is the well, impression the same- I get. The same way that we've already talked about with Bernard in the last film, where where even even this clear member of the bourgeoisie thinks these other people are too bougie yeah right well yeah. anybody who's gonna have a, a weird like dinner table conversation about like is is eroticism the fucking oh, yeah. result of christian morality i was like oh, right God, shoot and that's me now. and that's actually something something that Molly said in, in the, the interview, early interview yeah. about the lovers yeah i threw up in my mouth a little about, bit yeah about uh about eroticism being based in sin and therefore a very Christian idea. But that whole dinner conversation, I thought, would have affected you a little bit more because they're particularly talking about this guy's disappointment in traveling in Southeast Asia that that uh, apparently Oriental eroticism was just made up by the, by the Europeans. Well, it's, <laughs> it's that whole thing sort of bleeds together into this just like me kind of like you're like, what the fuck is even happening here right now? <laughs> like, I just hate all these people. Yeah, I'm not going I to pay attention to anything they say. Kinda, yeah, yeah, I, I was like, as soon as they started talking, I sort of like was like, yep, okay, I got the impression. I I, I get what's going to happen here. Cool. Right. I mean, at least they're codified as being shitheads, one and all. So there's that. It's got that going for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, it's like that whole thing of like being di- like oriental. I, like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just like. What the fuck? But again, yeah, they're shitheads, yeah. so they're like supposed to be bad guys. So, I, I but like once right. I had their like kind of had their number, I was like, well, I don't, I can zone out a little bit. This is fine. Uh, early in this film, 
uh, as you know, the reason he puts the date on the mirror is he says, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow, uh, which uh, translated into English is a line from the Royal Tannenbaums as well. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, which is a clear reference as far as that goes. Obviously not something I knew before watching this movie, but, uh, but now we know, but now we know. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so again, another indication that it takes place over the course of 24 hours. I didn't really think about that. He does say, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow, and then he kills himself later in the movie. So maybe maybe it is tomorrow, probably, I guess. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. But, but yeah. I generally don't like narratives that end with a guy killing themselves, I, a main character killing themselves. I especially don't like narratives that end yeah. with the main character killing themselves and blaming everyone else or or one particular person right. depending on our I, I agree letter. yeah I mean uh, yeah but I, uh but I do I do genuinely think that this is a very good movie I, and, uh, I think that part of what ameliorates that a little bit is that he's also clearly wrong right like, it, he's not Correct. codified as being like right about this like yeah. you know what I mean like he's not necessarily wrong but he's 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 the movie kind of goes out of its way to make it clear that like he has a problem. He has a problem and that he doesn't deal. And I don't think it's, I don't think the movie says that he deal with it in the right way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he he does blame the other people and we do see them to be kind of shitty, but we, we don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't personally get the impression when we get to the end of it that, like, ah, yes, this was his only option. <laughs> like, the yeah. movie doesn't say, like, I don't feel like the movie's, like, telling us, like, ah, well, you know, he took the only way out. Yeah. I think that's, a, there's an interesting aspect to to that friend also, I think, with with the idea of domestic bliss as, as happiness that, uh, that Varda gets into with La Bonhor too, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know the reason the reason our main character rejects that is, I think, because he thinks that they were more engaged, you know, quote better people when they were nihilistic outsiders, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you said, you obviously have. Uh, have reasons to disagree with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> too. Right. Um, well, but and that's Bohort... the thing, right? Is that like the, the, it, that, I mean, that's an, in, it's an interesting thing, right? Because you, it, it, it sort of plays into the fact that like, he thinks he's better, but he's not in the sense that right. like, not like better in like level, but like that he's healed himself, but he's not because his problem that he's having with this person is that like, he believes this person is passionless. Right. That like right. the inherently domesticating himself has made has rendered him passionless. Right. It comes from a place of like still being broken inside. Right. Like he thinks he's he's healed the wounds that he's given himself, and he very clearly hasn't. Right. But also staying at the facility longer has not healed him. No, because and the facility is also garbage, right? right. Like the facility right. is not doing right. anything which at is, this point. Which is clear from our interactions with the doctor at the facility who says, hey, it's time to leave. You've healed yourself. Right. <laughs> hey, maybe he you hasn't. should open a store right. and sell your garbage. Yeah. 
Right, right, right. Sell that suitcase full of playing cards you're carrying around. Right. I mean, like, you kind of get the thing where it's like, I mean, like, if the, you know, the doctor is not great, but, like, also this facility, like, I mean, how long has he he's been there for, like, four months? Like, maybe it's like, could you just, like, leave now? Like, he's been here a really (laughs) long time. As long as he's paying, I guess. And maybe that's another aspect of it, that it's, it's sort of, like... Uh, it's it's one of those, you know, we don't we don't necessarily get it, but it's not like a detox center, right? It's it's a, it's the sort of bougie rehab center that his friends would have put him in when right. It's when it like a go problem, here and right? like oh, the air's real good yeah. here. Yeah, you, you, yeah, they've got that real right. good water. They're in Versailles. It's the countryside, yeah. and yeah. You gotta, and, and it's like um, even despite it being this like the sixties, it's like, whoa, you just gotta get some good air and you'll right, clear out right, your humors right. or whatever. Um and <laughs> and the doctor even sort of suggests that. Yeah. What I was going to say is Le Bon Horror actually came out just two years after this. So it's, you know, another another regard there is is the closeness in that. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't we love Varda so much that I can't help but thinking about other French New Wave era films in regards to <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, she's sort point. of become our so, touchstone at this point, relatively yeah. recently. But like, yeah, when you realize yeah. how much, like, Molly's like becoming a close second in the sense of like, right, not and, being and Molly's, in the mold of the other French yeah. New Wave. Molly's relationship to the French New Wave, you know, he's not, he's not, you know, left bank people like, uh, like Varda is. You right. know, he's he's sort of just outside of that whole system too he makes some films that are time appropriate era appropriate very close to and age appropriate for himself very close to the french new wave and he's also obviously influenced by bresson in the same right. way that those early films in the french new wave well, were right, right. But the Bresson but the ones are also kind of weird, right? Like the Bresson ones, right. the Bresson ones right. also fit into their, like there's this sort of this group of filmmakers who seem to actually be breaking the mold all the time. And we talked about this with Varda. And then there's the French New Wave ones who kind of feel like they're like, can we make this mold stronger? <laughs> right, right, right. What if Bresson, but commercially viable? Yeah, what if we could, could we make do that? money on this? Right, what if it wasn't right. just me not teaching children how to act, but actually yeah. I made money? What if I didn't teach children how to act and made money, money at the same time? This is this is ideal, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I don't. That's dismissive of a lot of very good movies. I know. I, I frame it like we, that. We spend but, a lot of time with yeah. this at this point. There's a lot of French yeah. New Wave, and I've. I yeah. forced myself. I've sort of had to become pretty reductionist about the whole thing, right, just to right, survive right. at this point. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, this this is a movie where a a path to a happiness is presented, and he rejects that as well. Right, and, and I think that's and because. Then, but like, what? I, sorry, like to interrupt, but like, because yeah. he doesn't. He still is incapable of recognizing it as a path to. Un- towards happiness right like he can't even like the conversation they have as they're walking around is him being literally incapable of understanding that like this guy could be happy not pretending to be happy but actually happy but legitimately happy right and then you know from 
from from an opiate of the masses of domestic bliss, right? Mm-hmm. He goes to an actual opiate den, <laughs> yeah. which is also passionless to him, too. Right. It well, is actually even legitimately like rendered on screen as more passionless. Right. Right. Like right. the guy like he's talking to makes a fairly impassioned argument for his lifestyle. The opiate right. den could not give two shits. And when he leaves, like he just doesn't get it, man. <laughs> right. Right. Like right. the the opiate the opiate den the opium den is like legitimately the probably it is a it's a toss up between that and the final bougie group about who's being yeah. s- like more directly attacked. Right. Like but the, also the who's Algiers more guys are like too, right? Yeah, yeah. Exa- well, yeah, they're all manifestations of the same <laughs> thing, right? Cuz you can afford to write, just sit around and do opium all the time. Like how the fuck are you paying yeah. for that? Like right. Right. So, yeah, it's very it is fascinating psychologically and then I still hate that he kills himself with that note. No, at the I end, get right? it. I mean, I I so. agree. I, I I just don't know I mean, the movie's about that. So, like, right. I don't know. Wh- I mean, like, we wouldn't want him to, like, to, would we want him to change his mind at the end? I don't. Right. You, I don't know how this movie ends. And just, like, not finish right. it. Right. I don't know how this movie ends any other way than how it ends. But uh, with the exception of maybe, maybe the. Uh, the under the volcano ending where he accidentally, where he does get drunk and then gets someone else to kill him. Right. Yeah. Guess, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's always an option, right? There's always the, yeah, like, but, go put yourself into a super dangerous situation and just, like, let it play yeah. out ending. Right. But, but probably, right. I would say that Molly would probably see that as a cop out, right? Like, I, right. this movie is about this. It ends, right. he either does it or doesn't do it. Um, again, you know, it could be ambiguous. You could like just not end it, right? Like he goes home that day and just cut the <laughs> right cut the credits, but right, right. Um, um, and that's fair, you know. And that's what what is interesting to me then is given its position in the movie. Obviously, you in particular, but I think we're both sympathetic to that first friend and his his solution to this problem. But given his position in the movie, is Molly sympathetic to that as a solution to this problem mm, I, is that, a different question. That is a good question because keep in mind that like, but like Molly himself obviously cannot dismiss it from like oh it's too bougie standpoint right like that's not a right that molly possesses in right. this point but it might be a right he thinks he possesses this is, even this is true point, this is true right? <laughs> molly is a but keep in mind molly is a man who even by the time he makes the interview even the black and white interview with him yeah acknowledges the fact that like oh he's he's already got it made he's already made enough money that like he's yeah. golden um which is a weird, like, uh, maybe he thinks he possesses that right. I don't know. But he, his, this is a man who does, you know, have, like, get married and stuff, too, later on. So, I don't know. As he gets older, who knows, right? But um, I don't know. It, that's a good question. I, I, I would say that he, that character is presented so 
gently and sympathetically compared right. to every other character in the entire film, including right. our main character. Right. Our main character, I would argue, is in many ways presented as less sympathetic than the first friend he meets, <laughs> at least in right. terms of like, like just having it all together. And I think the rejection of that lifestyle starts our like not that he could just magically invent a I mean he does he has a wife he could like go to New York and find his wife right like that's right. a that's or a, he could just go to New York with Lydia the go between also true wife, there's lots also, of options available right. here so like the point is is that like he he meets that person f- first and rejection of that sends him down this sort of path. And so whether Molly, I think has to be at least somewhat sympathetic to that lifestyle because that would, otherwise that wouldn't be the trigger for like the rest of it just sort of popping off. You also get into the fact that like he made a statement about himself at the beginning about he's going to kill himself. Is he partially just, refusing to accept this possibility because he's committed himself mentally to right. doing this thing right. at the end of the day, no matter what, no matter what option is presented right. to himself. That there's no there's no getting around it. Like, right. w- also, when does he write that note? Like, did he write that note 24 hours before? I, I Is there a scene where he writes? I don't think so, right? Well, there is a, there is a scene, I think, midday, where he is writing something. And right. I don't know that we... I don't know that, that we see what it is. I wonder if that's uh, that, and then when does that? Where does that happen in the sort of timeline? I can't. Line? I can't remember where that happens in the narrative of the movie, unfortunately. Mm. So um, it's not super important. But the only reason I bring it up is if he's already crafted that. I mean, I would assume that note feels like it's supposed to be a wrap up to everything. But if he <laughs> if he wrote it before he did it, and he's already codified in his head what's going to happen today when he goes and meets everybody. That puts it right. in an even different light because he's like, "Well, I'm gonna go meet all these shitheads. Let's go, right? <laughs> and right. Like, right. like I gotta meet all these people I don't like who don't love me uh, that I don't love and they don't love me before I kill myself. I've written this note about it. Yeah. Like, that's a whole other animal that is frankly worth knowing. I right. There's no way, and he obviously he obviously has plans to meet up with each of these people, right? right? They meet him like yeah, like he, they're in the yeah. place they're expected to be. And like, and, and like even the guys at the cafe, he we have scenes of him explicitly trying to figure out where those guys are going to be. Right, right. He asks around to find them. Right, right, right. So he had he he goes into the day with the intention of having each of these encounters. Right. In one way or another. And and, and again, we know regardless of whether or not he wrote the note, he's already decided essentially to kill himself. So maybe right. he's like looking for somebody to convince him not to. Like, is the is this quest, which seems fairly likely, is this quest essentially like, all right, somebody give me a reason not to. Let's go. Yeah, but then the first couple people he encounter give him the reason not to. I know. And then right, but the if third he's already, set of people right. he encounters give him an out where he wouldn't have to kill himself, but he could just go to Algeria and die. True, true. Um, I mean, that's a very good point. Yeah. But, like, is he rejecting those answers because they're not the answer? It, 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 what I mean he by... Is what, all, he's, even by that point, he has already pantomimed committing suicide. Right. 
He has de- he has decided it's what he's going to do and how he's right, going and to that's go. what I'm saying. Is right. He's committed. No answer. No one is going to present him with an answer that he is going to right. take as something better than right. So he's a, he's essentially what we're getting right down to is yeah he has a lot of shitty friends, but essentially he's trying to build an alibi by which it is at least somewhat their fault. Right. By going to visit them all, none of you could convince me to not do it. I tried. I went and visited all of you. None of you. The indelible stain he's leaving everyone with is this well, what could we have done mentality Mm. that he's he's decided to put on to them. Right. And And he's gone around to say goodbye without saying goodbye to every single one of them to make sure they'll remember who he is when he kills himself at the end. Right, right. and so with now that I'm in mad mind, at the movie, and now I'm mad at him. So. Right, and what that's what I'm saying is like I think that's all supposed to be part of this movie experience, which is like you're an asshole, the guy right. who just killed yourself. Like, I think right. we're supposed to walk away is. feeling like right. this guy is not like a sympathetic hero. Like he's a guy we're not supposed to like. And if you right. take into an account the person that the story is based off of, and then the person who wrote the story, who Molly chose to drag into it with the whole like French or right. the whole Spanish right. uh, uh, Franco the thing. collaboration stuff, yeah, yeah, like Molly wants us to know that this guy <laughs> sucks, right, 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 yeah, no, that's fair. Molly like, definitely wants his to know friends that this guy suck, sucks, and he also sucks. <laughs> Everybody sucks except for the barman. The bar guy the bar who seems like okay. a legitimately really swell fellow, and and his friend, the first friend he meets, who's like right, <laughs> who found an out of being one yeah. of the people who sucks by just sort of being a normal dude. <laughs> right, right, right. That's fair. That's fair. No, you're right. You're right. Um, um and we're not supposed to be sympathetic yep. to the Thank note you, Molly, for a movie about everybody sucks. I'm 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 a big <laughs> I our conversation has made me more of a fan of this movie as we've talked, not less. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. So uh, another thing that Molly clearly pulls in from his, his Bressonian influence mm-hmm. uh is the uh, incredible lack of music in both this film and we didn't talk oh, but, about like, it, but it's in the last so, film too. It works so well in these movies. Yeah. Right. And then the the only way, place I don't know that it works so well is as he's leaving the party and drunk and wanders the streets for a minute, mm-hmm. we get like 10 seconds of Eric Satie's, uh, I think, Nazianus, uh, Nazianus uh, 6, or, or 6 Nazianus number 1, I think is the one that plays. The, okay. Um, do, 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 do. I can't right. even like it's used a lot in other films, and right. I can to the point where where when I heard it, I thought, where have I heard that as a reference to this? Right, because it was, um, but but it's a simple little piano thing, um, that I think was composed in uh, uh like eighteen ninety five, um, and the only other music in the film that I didn't even consciously recognize, but in looking up the soundtrack listing to figure out which one this is, there's only one other thing listed. And it's another another Sati uh or Satie um piece. Uh and it's just it's very subtle, but it's also clearly not diegetic. It's not in the movie. 
right? Mm. It's not something that starts playing at the party because it continues to play when he's outside in the streets again. Right. But it's also only like 11 seconds long. Like I mean, I wonder. There must be ends. some reason for it. I, I do you, uh, when did, I don't know. I mean, when did it start to play exactly? That's why I'm trying to. Rem- I vaguely remember it, but it's, it didn't. Re- it didn't register as much. Probably because like the way I watch these movies, we also well, rearranged our house, and I was sitting at my kitchen table <laughs> watching this, so it was a bit yeah. weird. Also, the way the the way the song starts, it's it's sort of it's a slow build, single notes like nocturne almost thing. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it's hard to necessarily say. So it's probably, but it's it, definitely not diegetic then. Right. But it is definitely also, it starts happening while he's at the party and then continues to happen for at least a little bit while he's in the street at night. But, but seemingly, I think, I think it starts just after he's actually drunk and continues for a little bit while he's drunk, and then he gets back to the rehab facility. I mean, I would assume, if I had to make a guess, and this is just, like, this is fine. If this is not the case, that's also fine. But, like, I would guess maybe Molly just wants to, like, make this drunk time, like, him drunk time feel extremely unique. Because... This is the thing he's been fighting against in theory the whole time. Yeah. Like he's sober, he's cleaned up, and now like he's so he because there is an option right there, right? Like he is faced with one final choice because he could yeah. also go hardcore just back into his old old lifestyle, right? Like he right, broke right. his sort of promise to himself about staying sober. Now like he could just fucking go crazy. Right, like he could just do it. Like he just go, like go right back to the way he was. Right, drinking from the moment he wakes up, and and all that stuff. Right, and I think maybe we're supposed to be able to, maybe maybe using music as like a way to like really make this one moment in the story pop out in your head. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe Molly just forgot he wasn't supposed to use music. It's like, oh shit! Right. Oh man! Oops! Oh, it's too late. We already put it in there. No turning back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it is number six. Now that I think about it, I can't remember which one it is. But well, and anyway. like yeah, not that, again, I, I mean, mean, they're all variations on a theme. So maybe right. there's really not enough of a difference between numbers one through you six can't, that, that you could actually just could tell really. based on like eleven <laughs> right, seconds right. of the song. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I just, I, that particularly took me out because I, I was subconsciously, uh, cognizant of the fact that there hadn't been music. Right. Yet, right. Though yeah. apparently there is at least one other piece at some point. <laughs> right. Somewhere. But, uh, but that, uh, that could be, that could actually be diegetic. He goes to enough places that might yeah. have music that like. Right, right, right. Like, right, it would make sense in some other instances if there were music, but, but yeah, no, it's it is a fascinating movie. Um, <laughs> I think, I think Wale is correct to say that it is not an entertaining movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, a movie he was not trying to be entertaining right. with. 
and he succeeded in that regard. Right. But, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, except for like, it all depends on what you classify entertaining, right? Like, right, right. It is right, an right, it is right. an engaging movie. Like, again, it fits into the stereotype that like we talked about at the beginning of like, oh yeah, we're gonna go watch a boring French film. Like, yeah. If you were if you chose not to pay attention to this movie and just sort of have it in the background, it would seem incredibly boring. <laughs> right, right, right. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, uh, delightful. Uh, well, this has been The Fire Within by Louis Malle from 1963, our second Malle film back-to-back, along with The Lovers last week. Next week, we will be talking about... Uh, well, a pretty. Uh, I lo- I really look forward to next week. It's uh, Ludwig Berger, Michael Powell, and Tim Wheelhin's adaptation of The Thief of Baghdad. Okay. Uh, from nineteen forty. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting at least to uh, to have a British Thief of Baghdad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also an Alex Corda production. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, look forward to the Thief of Baghdad. Um, uh, so thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Lee Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Ovitari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.Bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.